You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. Nicole Trujillo is going to come forward and give us a chance to hear these words from 1 Timothy 4, and then we'll look at that text together. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Thanks so much, Nicole, for reading scripture. I made a phone call yesterday to an old friend on his birthday. And when I say old, I mean it respectfully. And I also really mean it. He is, he's old. He's 89 as of yesterday. And here's a picture I took with him last month. So there is Pastor Rosenau and his wife Ruth. And when I talked to him yesterday, he was pretty excited because Ruth had made him a chocolate cake that he was pretty excited about. And she has a birthday too coming up. The end of this month, she turns 98. And they still live in their home in La Mirada, California. That's where I was visiting them. Pastor Rosenau was a retired pastor at the church that I went to when I started college. And they invited me over that fall of my freshman year for Thanksgiving because I was so far away from home and I didn't have anywhere else to go. And he has become for me a special example of what a lifetime of faithful ministry can look like. On the other end of the spectrum, Pastor Andrew is just getting started. And I would call you Pastor Dvorak, but we are a church and a gym, and that just doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> so, but here's Pastor Andrew just getting started. And Andrew is 30. Pastor Rosenau is just about 90. So 60 years lies between these two. And I've been thinking to myself, how do you start today, Andrew, and 60 years from now still be serving faithfully and joyfully and like Pastor Rosa now, finishing well? Today, as we celebrate Andrew's installation as our associate pastor, these are the questions on my mind. In addition to welcoming Andrew and Larissa and Jovi and Kyla, We're also sending this team of 22, many of whom are students and young adults, over to Germany on a mission trip. So I felt like there's a theme today. As a congregation, we might call it growing young at a leadership level. That's how we often refer to this. And this theme brought me to the pastoral epistles, thinking about Paul's words to young Timothy. So we're pausing just for a week our study in 1 Thessalonians And we're going to be here in this personal letter from Paul to Timothy. And what I want to share are five principles from these few short verses in 1 Timothy 4, especially for Andrew, especially for our Germany mission team and all your 
gray t-shirts out there. But that does not mean that the rest of us this Sunday morning would simply check out because we're older than they are, we're not young anymore, or we're not in pastoral ministry or going on a mission trip. But no, what we're about to look at are words for every one of us as a follower of Christ, no matter your age, no matter your vocation. And I think if you were to ask Pastor Rosenau, when did you graduate from 1 Timothy 4? Pastor Rosenau, when did you age out of this applying to you? I think he'd look at you and he would say, well, you don't ever graduate from applying this text. This is a word for all of us. So a little background as we get started. Timothy was a young pastor serving the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was the capital city of what was called Asia Minor, a Roman province, which we now know as Turkey. And our Germany mission team, I just think it's fascinating, has been studying Ephesians. And now here we are in 1 Timothy, a letter written to Timothy who's serving in Ephesus. And for those who are going on the Greece trip next year, you will have the chance, following the footsteps of Paul, the ship will pull in there on the west side of Turkey and you'll get to do an excursion to visit the ancient ruins of Ephesus. It was a world-class city. And people there, 2,000 years ago, were hearing the gospel and turning to Jesus and Timothy was charged with leading the young congregation. The letter's addressed to him. It is a personal letter, but we know that they would have read this publicly in front of the whole congregation. And so Paul really has all of us in view as he says to Timothy in verse 11, command and teach these things. That these things are going to be what follows now in the next verses. But the tone is set right here. And we recognize there are, if you were to count them up, ten imperatives, ten commands in this short passage. And as we're about to look at them, I want to remind us of what we said last week in 1 Thessalonians. The commands of Scripture must be understood through the Gospel or they will just be a religious to-do list so that I'm hopefully good enough and God will accept me. But I want to remind us of last week when we quoted Tim Keller who said, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But the Gospel says... I'm accepted in Christ, therefore I obey. So what we're talking about here is a joyful response and a responsibility. So he says, Timothy, command and teach these things. And now comes the list of five principles. And what I'm going to do is sum up each one on the screen. And then I'll show you the verse that it corresponds to. So here's the first one. Set an example for other believers. Set an example for other believers. Pastor Rosenau is an example to me. My parents have been an example to me. My eighth grade math teacher, even though I was pretty lousy at math, was an example to me. Mr. Dahl, serving in public education and a follower of Jesus. We learn by example. And we need good examples. Here's the verse, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So question for you. How young was Timothy? Well, Pastor Andrew, he was about 30 years old. And isn't that fitting? 
we'd be looking at this today. The best estimate, you know, it doesn't tell us in the letter, but the best estimates across the New Testament are that Timothy was between 30 and 35. The Greek church father, Irenaeus, said that one could be considered young, commenting on this Greek word, you could be considered young up until age 40. I'm 41, so that made me smile this week. But the challenge in Ephesus is that in Greco-Roman culture especially, honor and esteem and authority were all tied to age and the number of years you had under your belt. And Timothy was young. When my wife first started at FEBC, the company that she still works at remotely today, she came into a management role where she came home from work and she told me, I was in seminary, she was putting me through it, um, she came home and she told me that she was supervising people now who had worked at the company longer than she'd been alive. And so you imagine just the awkward dynamic that that introduces. So not only was Timothy relatively young, but there's evidence that he was also timid by nature. We grab that from a few different places in Scripture. He was not the guy who was going to come in and take charge. Now, humility is, a, of course, an excellent quality, but we're talking about timidity, which is a lack of confidence, a lack of courage, and that can really get in the way. Paul says to Timothy, and by application, he says to Andrew and our Germany mission team and our students, he says, despite your young age, set an example for other believers. Set an example for us. The bar is high, isn't it, when you read that? Students, sometimes you're not given credit for what you're capable of. The blame has officially shifted from millennials to Gen Z now. You maybe have noticed that. Now it's Gen Z that we all get to complain about. But the Bible has a much higher view of you. You're called not just to a level playing field, but to actually set an example for the rest of the church. And to do so comprehensively, you'll notice, in five areas. Speech, conduct, faith, love, purity. Andrew, Larissa, students, we want you to know that we are looking to you. The time is now for you to step up to the plate. To show us the way and to lead. That's the first one. Number two, devote yourself to Scripture. Second principle. Devote yourself to Scripture. The Bible has a high view of young people, and in a different sense, it has a high view of Scripture. We recognize this is no ordinary book, it is not even just an inspirational book, but it is inspired. Second Timothy says it is God-breathed. So everything that you need to know about who God is and what He's like and what He's done and what He's created you for, it's all right here. Everything that you need. Paul says in verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. And you'll notice that we're talking about three different activities that are all centered around Scripture. So they're unique, one to another, but they're bibliocentric. The public reading of Scripture, the first one, is why we have Nicole come up front 
And every Sunday, another one of our Scripture readers come up front and read the Word to us. Because that activity, even by itself, before I ever would start to preach a sermon, is edifying. Just sitting here and listening to God's Word be read aloud. And then comes preaching on the list. And that is exhortation. That's the Sunday morning sermon. And then thirdly, you see teaching. Teaching is similar but different from preaching. So I imagine it's more like if you've been in a classroom setting for a good Bible study. Or a Y group dynamic can feel like this. Or Wednesday night confirmation upstairs with high school students. Whatever your role in the church, whether a pastor, a lay leader, or a young adult, the principle abides, and that is devote yourself to Scripture. And my brothers and sisters, even when myself or Andrew would be long gone, insist on pastors and leaders who are devoted to the same. Churches live and die by this principle. Number three, here's the third one. Use your God-given gifts. Use your God-given gifts. The word that Paul uses in the passage for gift is the Greek word, listen carefully because you'll recognize it, charisma. Charisma, they say. It comes from the word for grace, charis. And it is often found in conjunction in a passage, we run into this word a lot in the New Testament, you'll find it near the word spirit. And so we call it a spiritual gift or a grace gift. And every believer in Christ has been given one or more of these gifts to serve others and to build up the church. So Timothy, we would see, has gifts for teaching and discernment and the administration of of a pastor of a church. Andrew has spiritual gifts. And we talked about them at length in the discernment process in interviewing and interacting with our team. Every member of our Germany mission team has spiritual gifts. But just because you have them doesn't mean you're automatically using them. Paul says to Timothy in verse 14, here's the verse, do not neglect your gift given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. I was putting away something in the rafters in our garage this week and was up on the ladder, and while I was up there, I found something else. And I said, oh, there's my golf clubs. They've been neglected. And I guarantee you, if I were to golf with you, I would prove the point. It is only by practicing your spiritual gifts, by putting them to use, that they will become what God intended. Paul reminds Timothy Your gift was given to you through prophecy. That's a spiritual gift, by the way, isn't it? And he's saying to Timothy, your gift didn't originate with you. But it's been given by God, and the body of elders, the church leaders, laid their hands on you like we just did, inviting the leadership team forward, laying our hands upon Andrew. And what is that? Is there some kind of magic that's happening? No, it's It's the human response to what God has already made clear by His Spirit. And so if you are wondering, for you, what your spiritual gifts might be, we have a gifts inventory that we rolled out a good year or so ago, and it's available. So the church purchased this resource. We'd love for you to use it. And you can just write on your connection card, 
spiritual gifts, please, or something like that, and we'll get it to you this week. In ministry, in the mission field, let's put our spiritual gifts to action in the daily life of the church. Here's number four. The fourth principle is be diligent and dedicated so that others see you growing. And this fourth principle seems to reflect back on what has just been said. What did we just say? The first three. Set an example, devote yourself to Scripture, and use your God-given gifts. And so now Paul is saying in verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. The word for diligent means to cultivate. Or athletes, it means the word, something like practice, like you would at a sport. When I was 13, I remember this very specifically that summer playing travel soccer. When I was 13, I was significantly better than my best friend who was also on the team. And that was our thing. We had committed ourselves to soccer. And to the point, I remember I would feel bad if I had a really good game and I scored a goal and he struggled. He was my best friend and I thought, you know, he's going to notice Well, fast forward a little bit. My friend was much more diligent than I. By the end of our varsity soccer career, he was far and away the best player on the team. I was trying to keep up with him. And he went on to play collegiate soccer for a Big Ten school. Give yourself wholly to this task. And let me remind you, this is way more important than the sports you play. And then comes the purpose, so that everyone may see your progress. Now, don't read that as something that's like self-exalting or self-glorifying, but this is how God will use your spiritual growth to inspire the same thing in others. So, Andrew, we're urging you to be diligent in these things, to set an example, to be devoted to Scripture, to use the spiritual gifts that God has given you. And students this morning, those who are a decade or more younger than Andrew, you are not too young to do the same. Here's number five, our last one. Finally, pay close attention to your life so that others may come to faith. Pay close attention to your life so that others may come to faith. And I like the more literal translation of pay close attention. Watch your life, is what we read. Esther and I decided this spring that with a larger family and summertime and all the kids and folks that are in and out the front door of our house, that it would be wise to keep a closer eye on things. And so we decided to get one of those ring doorbells, which kind of functions as a home security camera. And so some of you know how this works. Uh, You have an app on your phone And you can both see and hear what's going on at your front door. And then there's different settings you can choose for how sensitive you want the camera to be and how often you want to get notified on your phone. So when I set it up, I just chose the default, you know, kind of medium settings. And I very quickly realized with our family, this is not going to work for me. I was getting, I tracked the first week, I was getting 30 or more notifications a day about people going in and out of our front door. But I've never paid so much attention 
to the front door of our house. Paul concludes in verse 16, watch your life. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Watch your life. Pay close attention. Andrew, a classic commentary on 1 Timothy says, I love this line, a minister must prepare not only his sermons, but himself. The effectiveness of your ministry begins, Andrew, with your own spiritual health. And we want you to thrive and flourish as a pastor until one day it's going to be you who's turning 89 years old looking forward to the chocolate cake that Larissa made for you. Paul says not just watch your life, but he says watch your doctrine, what you teach. The word doctrine, you know, sometimes can get a bad rap because it sounds to our ears too dogmatic. And certainly there have been instances where someone is too dogmatic and they have forgotten the doctrine of grace. But maintaining sound biblical doctrine, that what you teach, Andrew, actually corresponds to what the Bible teaches, is vitally important. John Calvin said, the unfaithfulness or carelessness of the pastor is ruinous to the church. And both history and modern observation would tell us that he was right. And then comes the purpose. There is a purpose behind this. Because if you do, Paul says, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. That's an interesting line to read, isn't it? But the stakes are that high. Now, don't misinterpret it. God alone is the one who saves, but he saves by certain means, doesn't he? And you, Andrew, as a pastor, living out and preaching the gospel are one of those means. Germany Mission Team, you are one of those means. We are not sending you to Germany just to have a good time. We are sending you to bring good news. It is a gospel-centered trip that others, think of all the people and cultures and languages you're going to see in Nuremberg and Munich, Rotenburg, world-class cities. We're sending you so that they may see and hear the good news of Jesus and that your very presence would bring salvation. So here's the summary today as we draw this to a close. And it's the title of the message. Be diligent and show the way. Be diligent and show the way. We need your diligence. We need your example. And this high calling comes from God. So back to Pastor Rose now as we finish. At age 89, he still writes, types out, and emails a weekly devotional. Types it up in Word and he sends it out to whomever would like to see it and have it. And so yesterday when I called him for his birthday, his 89th birthday, I'm referencing the devotional that he wrote earlier in the week. And I said, thank you for writing that on Matthew 11 about the yoke. At the end of chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You know this passage? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I said, thank you, Pastor Rosenau. And here's how he responded. He said, the word is just so rich, isn't it? I find there's always something new for me to look at. 
And he sounded, as he said this, his voice was like a kid who had just stepped into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and was just looking at all the sweets. And I thought, may ministry and may the word and our mission be as sweet-sounding to us. Let me pray as our worship team comes forward. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We have so much to celebrate today. And we celebrate, Lord, every decade of life that is represented across this congregation. We are blessed, Lord, to have brothers and sisters in Christ, spiritual grandparents in their 90s who are here. And then all the way down to the youngest disciples, just months or weeks old, we rejoice in all of it, Lord. We trust in the promise that You've given to us that Your Word will not return empty or void. But as we've heard these things today, Lord, they would take root in our hearts, especially for Andrew, especially for our Germany team, and especially for our young people. We pray this in Jesus' name, the name of our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.